Hey friends, and welcome back to the rest of the sermon. It's been an interesting week, to say the least. The protests rage on, uh, cries out for justice for Breonna Taylor. Uh, there's been another police shooting in Atlanta, and just hearing today that one of the officers involved has been charged with felony murder and uh, has been fired from his position. The other officer was been has been given a deal and will testify against the first officer. In addition to that, the chief of police in Atlanta has resigned. Uh, as you can probably hear, as you can probably tell, unrest seems to be prevailing. I want to talk today. Um, I want to talk today specifically about what can we do. Um, before I get into that, before I jump into that, I want to just say that um, this past Sunday we returned to Malachi. Uh, and looked at what is probably the one verse uh, that if, if you grew up as a Baptist that you probably memorized that was from Malachi, and that's Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. We covered Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12, specifically talking about uh, what it is that we offer God. And I, I started with the premise, uh, or at least asking the question, um, are we robbing from God? That seems to be what God is accusing those, the children of Israel, of doing. And it's interesting, if you listen to in the sermon, you'll hear me talk about in this passage, he doesn't refer to them as the children of evil, evil the children of Israel. Uh, no, instead he calls them the children of Jacob, Israel's original name. Uh, because Jacob was the trickster. Jacob was the sly one, the liar, the one who, who was out for himself to get everything that he deserved. And so I called into question or called for us to ask ourselves, are we giving back to God uh, God's rightful share of the blessings that he gives to us? Uh, and from that, a question was was given to me thinking about this idea of blessing and um, how God is unchanging. That's another claim that is made there in the in the sixth verse of chapter three that God is unchanging. And since God is unchanging, do do we experience hardships or things like that as a way to pull us back or to remind us to open our eyes to the blessings that we get? Uh, and and you know I, I don't know if if God's um, if if God works that way or not. I would tend to think probably not. But that's just me saying. I don't know if that's the way it goes. I think that's the way we receive it, that we do receive blessings or we, we do uh, have our eyes refocused when things get difficult and then all of a sudden things work out. We are reminded just of the goodness of God. What I would say, though, is that the goodness of God never abandoned us. We just didn't see it before. And all of a sudden when it, when it shows up out of nowhere, that grace, that mercy uh, and it blinds us, much like Paul was blinded on that road before, uh, when, when he was Saul, before he became Paul. That, that we're, we're blinded, we're confronted with the goodness of God, that we can't uh, unsee it, we can't turn away from it. And so this is the, the, the backdrop then for the conversation that we have today. I, in that same sermon, and by the way, if you haven't been able to listen to it or, or hear it, you are uh, welcome, and I encourage you to follow the link that will be in the show notes for this episode, um, just to uh, help uh, get, a, get a baseline for where we're, where we're at, where we're coming from. But with that as the backdrop, I want to talk a little bit then about what the, um, the requirement is that we have uh, as Christians, okay? Okay. Um, it's amazing to me how 
so much of the history in America, uh, in this great country, uh, so many of the injustices that have been experienced by people that have been oppressed have been at the hands of Christians. And, and what I mean by that, that has been at the hands of people that have used Christianity, have used Scripture, have used those things to, to weaponize, uh, to, to put forth their belief and to justify the oppression, to justify the injustice that has happened throughout our history. Uh, I think where we find ourselves today uh, is we find ourselves uh, the victim of a whitewashed history. And that, that sounds like a really strong stance. But when, again, I can consider myself a, a pretty well-educated man. Uh, I've got two master's degrees um, I uh, obviously have a, a four-year college degree as well. But not only that, I, I've done some pretty significant study in, in racial justice, uh, in white privilege. I wrote an article about white privilege when I was in seminary uh, that was published in our, our seminary uh, monthly magazine. Uh, so I've done work in this area, and there's still so much that I don't know. And I'm not talking like little things. I'm not talking about, we all know about Emmett Till. We all know about uh, the bombing at, at uh, the, the church in, in Birmingham in, in the summer of, of 63. We all know about the march that went to Washington and Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. We all know about Malcolm X. And we all know about the assassinations that happened of King, of X, of Robert Kennedy. Those are things we all know. But but many of us don't know other big swaths of history that have taken place. For example, the Tulsa bombings that, that happened in 1919, 1920, right in that time frame. That happened on Juneteenth, which is coming up this weekend. Juneteenth, the time when African Americans celebrate the abolishment of slavery. Yet... Uh, the abolishment of slavery that, that somehow never went away. It just shifted. It became the same horse, but of a different color. It's interesting when we go back and we look at history critically. It's interesting when we take a minute to um, uplift voices that have been, hmm, have been squashed, have been squelched, have been silenced. It's interesting when we take the time to do that, what it is that we might hear. So I, like you, uh, like many of you, uh, have been trying to listen. For the last three weeks, I've been listening. I haven't said a lot. I haven't recorded a lot of videos. And, and, and leading up to that time, I was recording videos just about daily. And I was already talking about uh, how frustrated I was with the division in our country and the division that I was seeing. And that was all around this, this pandemic, the COVID-19 and the responses. And then you have this powder keg that goes off. And so I've been listening and I've been being educated. And it's amazing to me how many people, how many people will still argue that systemic racism doesn't exist? How many people will still argue that white privilege is something that's made up? 
maybe even more slanderous, that white privilege in and of itself is racist. To acknowledge that you have had an advantage based solely on the color of your skin is somehow a racist belief. And then a, a megachurch pastor, a pastor of a megachurch, comes out and, and says that instead of white privilege, we should call it white blessing. Because after all, it was certainly a blessing for white people. And he has since backtracked from that statement. He's apologized. He's working on understanding things a little differently. But, but the point remains that at some point he thought that was a good idea. That he thought that, that, that that was a right way to go. And he saw no problem in putting that idea out there. Friends, this is where the problem is. The fact that even after we stop and we listen for three weeks, we still don't get it. I've been reading through my story, my timeline in Facebook, and been reading through uh, experiences that people have shared on Twitter their experience of injustice, personal experiences, things that have happened to them as they were growing up in school, things that they experienced where they began to realize that they were the other. And it reminded me, you know, I have three children myself. And it reminded me again that we're not born with hate in our hearts. We're not born seeing recognizing the differences that we have with other people. Those things are taught. They're taught. And so when we see in other children, we hear about the experience from other children, when people were children, the hate that they experienced. It was taught. So, so what do we do? What do we do? If we've been listening for three weeks, what do we do? The first thing that I say that we do, the first thing that we have to do, we've talked about being an ally. Last week we talked about being an advocate and the difference. We've talked about saying, uh, you have a platform, elevate the voice of those who have been oppressed. We've talked about not being silent, not being complicit. But the first thing that we have to do, in my, my opinion, where we find ourselves today, three weeks into the civil unrest, the first thing that we absolutely have to do is we have to continue to listen. And I don't like that. I don't like that the first place I have to start is to listen. I don't like that the first place I have to start is to continue to learn, to admit that I have been a part of the problem. Even though I fought, I thought, to not be a part of the problem. But friends, that's where we find ourselves if we are not the voice of the oppressed. Now you may be thinking to yourself, Evan, how can you say that? How do you believe that about yourself? You've never done any, and, and you're right, I've never done anything intentionally that I know of. But this past few weeks, I've been reminded or been shown, been uh, it's been demonstrated to me just how ignorant I have been. And something that felt innocent to me, something that felt um, innocence, the best word, can be heard, can be misconstrued, or even heard legitimately. 
even the way I intended it, and be hurtful. And I've been reminded of these things before. This isn't the first time, but it's the first time I've been willing to critically think about my actions around the issue, the topic of race. So friends, first we must listen. We must listen. We must listen to hear the story, to try to understand the story. After we've listened, then we must elevate. We must elevate. And I don't mean ourselves. I don't mean you rise. We talked about rising last week. And I do think it's important that we get off our knees and, 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 and from prayer and we, we take action. But it's important that we elevate. We use the platforms that we have to elevate others. As a pastor, this is very important to me. And one thing that you're going to be uh, experiencing uh, probably through this podcast, I'm going to be hosting or, or, or conducting a series of interviews of other pastors, African-American pastors and their experiences, not only in church, but in education and seminary, uh, and then just in their general life, to hear their story and to have an opportunity to have an audience that they normally wouldn't have. There's a march that's being planned for the last weekend in August. It's the anniversary of the March on Washington where the I Have a Dream speech was given. I'm registered to go. And I have a couple pastors that have, that have <laughs> pledged money for me to go. They're going to give me money to go because they can't, but they want their voice to be heard. And on that trip, I'm going to be taking uh, my podcasting gear, my podcasting equipment, and, and I plan on uh, either... Uh, live blogging uh, or, or recording what's happening there and interviewing folks that are there. There are a couple folks that I've reached out to that um, I think are planning on attending as well. So uh, it'll be a great opportunity to hear from those who are in the middle of this struggle. So first, first we have to listen. Second, we have to elevate. And then third, third, and maybe most important, we have to be willing to put ourselves on the line. And you may think to yourself, what's, what's that mean? I mean, that means we have to get out there. We have to get out there. It's not enough to be supportive at home. It's not enough. We have to also, in getting out there, remember what this is about. Um, I'm going to reference again. I have friends. I have congregation members who are police officers. My neighbor is a police officer. My neighbor is an African-American police officer. And I had a conversation with him yesterday morning. I asked him how he was doing. And he said, you know, it's hard. He's a detective. He um, uh, does investigative work during the day, uh, deals with, with, um, with children. Uh, and so he does investigative work during the day. He comes home and three nights so far out of a week, usually he gets called to go back in, put his police uniform on, and go downtown in Lexington. And as he described, basically stand there and be yelled at. Um, and, uh, you know, people are upset, and I think rightfully so. There are lots of ideas being thrown out there about what the solution might be. What I want to scream from a mountaintop is let's not get caught up. Let's not get blinded by one issue. Let's not let the narrative shift away from justice. From justice. We can, can work to solve an issue of 
police brutality of individuals or even if it's systemic police brutality. I'm not here to make those arguments. We can work to solve that, but that doesn't equal justice for a people that have been oppressed for far too long. That is but a piece of the puzzle. And so we must remember, we must keep our eye on the prize of this bigger justice. I'm reminded, I'm reminded of many verses in Scripture. And this is, this is probably where I'll end today. Um, but I had someone make the argument to me about the last two sermons I did, how I had left in the middle of a series and had left Malachi. And they said, you know, you really should just stick with that series and, and, and leave all this other stuff out of it. You're getting too political. And uh, at first, I have to admit, I, I stopped. Uh, I listened. I, I thought about that. I, I questioned. I wondered, am I getting too political? We do have this thing of separation of church and state, and I, and I believe in that. I don't think that, that, that churches need to be getting involved in politics, nor politics being involved in religion. At the same time, we can't, we can't take away what the individual experiences, and we can't take away what uh, what we all bring into the room when we come. And so I'm not going to just ignore what I feel that God is putting on my heart. But, but as I continue to think about these things, I started thinking about the Bible and this, this collection of scriptures that we have, that we hold as sacred. And I started thinking about, you know, there's not many verses in that Bible that don't have something to do with justice. We serve a God that is about justice. I started thinking about my favorite passage in the Bible. It's Micah 6.8. And if you don't know what it says, essentially it says, uh, what does the Lord require of you? The Lord requires for you to love justice, to do justice. I'm sorry, to do justice, to love mercy, love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. And that's the basis of, of, of where I'm coming from with this podcast, this idea of first we've got to listen. We've got to be humble. We've got to listen. We've got to love mercy, love kindness, and be willing to listen. We've got to do justice, which means we've got to get out there too. And we have to elevate these voices of those who've had the experiences that I can't understand because I haven't been there. We elevate those voices and then we keep our eye on the prize, this prize of justice, and we do it. And at the end of the day, we realize all along we are doing the Lord's work. We are walking humbly with God for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Friends, I'm glad you've joined us. I appreciate you sticking with me a little longer than normal. As always, if you've got any feedback or concerns, things you'd like for me to hear, you can email me at the rest of the sermon at gmail.com. Again, that's the rest of the sermon at gmail.com. In the meantime, know that I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for our country. I'm praying for those who feel oppressed, who feel unheard. I want them to know I hear you. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in for the rest of the sermon. I hope you have a wonderful week. And until next time, God bless.